Well, bond yields are rising, equities are stalling, commodity prices continue to rise. But don't worry, the Fed will still push ahead with a taper, even though the non-farm payroll numbers were less than expected. But there's a reason for that. So let's just get on with it, shall we? It's Monday, the 11th of October, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, we saw some falls in equities at the end of the week last week. The Nasdaq lost half a percent after the recovery through most of last week, uh, but it did finish the week slightly down. The S&P was up 0.8% over the week, though, despite that fall on Friday. Uh, but of course, after a 5% fall in September, let's remember that, and a 1.2% rise for the Dow on Friday as well. But the Eurostoxx 50 fell 0.6% on Friday, while the FTSE 100 managed a quarter percent rise. And Asian stocks doing well, and the ASX 200 up 0.9% on Friday as well. Now, bond yields rose a fair bit too at the end of the week. Ten-year treasuries up four basis points to 1.61%. That is the highest since June. UK ten-year gilt yields up eight basis points to 1.16%, which is the highest since May 2019. And Aussie ten years are up five basis points on Friday too to 1.63%. Again, well, that's the highest since uh, since June on Friday. And a slight fall in the US dollar at the end of what was a choppy week for just about everything, but particularly currencies. We saw it back where it started on the uh, DXY index, the Aussie dollar down a little on Friday, but was 0.7% up over the week. Commodity currencies, basically the best performance last week, the Aussie dollar in, in amongst them. The US dollar gained half a percent on the yen on Friday and a bit over 1% over the week. The euro did pick up a bit at the end of the week, but down slightly, but only 0.1% over the last seven days. And commodities on Friday, well, oil is certainly up again. WTI up 1.3%, Brent up half a percent, and iron ore up 6% on Friday. So let's see. Things and num- numbers are all over the place. Let's see what this week brings us. After a uh, disappointing non-farm payrolls on Friday in the US, here's Rodrigo Cotrill from NAB in Sydney to talk about it. So uh, it looks like jobs hopes have been infected by supply chain fever, doesn't it? 194,000 more people working in September. But, you know, there was an expectation that that number would be around half a million. And is, is this going to be enough for the for the Fed? Is this enough for Jerome Powell to push ahead with his tapering? Well, morning, Phil. Uh, yes, uh, I think the, the, the wording was that Powell said that the job needed to be reasonable enough or rather the report needed to be reasonable, reasonable enough. Um, now, when you look at the headline number of 194 jobs versus 500, then it's, it's quite soft. Um, but then there were mm. very strong revisions, um, upward revisions to the previous month. So when you do the net number, right. the net number was 371,000 of new jobs that have been you know, uh, printed, if you like, in, in, in the month. So that made it a little bit better. Um, Whilst at the same time, you know, the other figures were quite interesting in terms of the decline of the unemployment rate to 4.8% from 5.2%. The market was looking Yeah, because for, the participation rate has fallen so much, though, certainly, which is a bad sign, surely. It is the participation rate, but it's also the, the, the unemployment rate is calculated from a different uh, calculation, from a different report, uh, which mm. did suggest that more jobs were being created in, in that calculation. So... Um, yeah. Overall, though, um, the, 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 the general sense is that um, yes, there's been disruptions in the labour market, and um, um, you know, there's school. For instance, kids going back to school should have allowed carers to to get back to work. Um, but the argument is that you know the Delta variant was still around, and um, you know more time is needed for for that dynamic to play through. 
whilst mm. at the same time there's also evidence that the reopening is occurring uh, with, with an increase in activity in restaurants, airlines and so on, which suggests that the next report should show and should reflect that improvement in, in, in the labor market, particularly in those sectors. So overall, the strength uh, of, of the net figure, once you include the revisions, uh, left the market with the sense that it's, it's good enough, if you like, uh, for, for, the, for the Fed to continue with this uh, tapering program. Or but the public sector wasn't helping either, was it? Because government payrolls actually, uh, not only did they not increase at the same rate as before, but they actually fell 123,000 less uh, government payroll jobs that month. So, you know, you would have thought the government would be hanging on to people if it was going to help the economy. Yes. So I suppose there's two things here. One, um, is, what, what, what does the, the report mean for, for tapering? And the general sense is that, um, you know, it's just just good enough for tapering to continue. Mm. But uh, to your point, I think that there's still a lot of uncertainties in terms of what the world or what the labor market looks after in a post-Brexit, in a post-COVID uh, environment. And there's still a lot of uncertainties in terms of uh, you know, how many people want to go back to work. Um, uh, there's still a lot of uh, question marks of whether there's been a huge structural change because we have a huge demand for jobs and yet these jobs are not being filled. Is that a function of jobs not being uh, in the right place yeah. uh, or workers not being in the right places or not being skilled enough? Um, and also whether there's reticence from, from any workers to actually go back to work uh, where COVID is still, you know, in, in, in the community and, and there's still uncertainty about how, what sort of impact it's having on, on, on individuals. Yeah, and then there's consumption behaviour as well. So consumer credit yeah. uh, in August uh, falling from $17.2 billion, falling to $14.38 billion. That's not including real estate. So less borrowing happening, uh, so less spending going on, you would have thought. Yes, and, and that, that is linked to, to this idea of, you know, a, a change in behavior because of COVID. And although, you know, many people, or they, when you look at the whole economy, there's high levels of savings, um, you know, the, 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 the cautiousness from the individuals uh, uh, means that you, you won't see this rising in consumption. So that's another uncertainty and, and, and we need time to, to see how it plays out. Yeah, and it is COVID, not, but we can't blame anything to do with Brexit in the United States. You'll slip of the tongue, I know. Uh, but um, <laughs> if we look at the COVID numbers, I mean, they are coming down in the United States, so that's good news. Uh, so maybe, you yeah. know, ground, ground, grounds for more optimism. But the, the daily average for new cases in the US is now down to 88,600 from 116,000 in late August. That's the daily number, but there's still 9.8 million people who've got it and 1,400 1, people a day in the United States are dying from it. So you compare that to the UK where you think it's all a bit out of control, where they've got 36,000 new cases a day, but 113 people a day dying from it. So if you look at that sort of pro rata, then the, uh, the, the fatality rate in the United States is two and a half times what it is in the United Kingdom. So that's not exactly good news for anyone hoping that there's going to be a, a swift return to normal, is it? Yeah, and, and it plays to, to that sort of cautiousness that it seems to be playing out in terms of the data, particularly the consumer. Um, mm. It's also a reflection of, you know, the effectiveness of the vaccines and, and how in the U.S., you know, whilst we've seen an improvement in vaccine rates, there's the story of two countries in a sense, one that is highly vaccinated and another one that is not there yet. So 
that explains, if you like, the higher mortality rates and also may play into that cautiousness that, that is, appears to be you know, coming through from the data. Yeah. And then we've got inflation, obviously, and amongst all of this and the, the role of wages in that. So the hourly earnings up 0.6% month on month in the non-farm payrolls. That's 4.6% year on year. Uh, I was there's a report came out. I haven't had a chance to read it because I just saw it just as we were about to record from the um, uh, from the ECB uh, looking at you know the the, the role of wages and, uh, and and uh, and and job recovery. They're not necessarily totally linked. I mean, as you know, it could be a big structural change that's happening here. So those inflation numbers, you know, we might be paying more for people to work, but it's not necessarily going to equate to a, a fast recovery in jobs. Yes, I mean that's 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 one thing, and the, the other thing that we haven't touched on is that. We've got to remember that the, the, the pandemic or the, the recession coming from the pandemic, it was very much a services recession, um, which includes lower mm. paid uh, jobs, you know, particularly in, in you know, hotels and so on. Um, so what has happened is that some of the, the, the rise in, in the, the employment or rather the wages levels that we've seen around the globe is a reflection of, you know, skilled uh, people working in, in certain industries that have been able to continue to work being still in the market, yeah. while those that have been lower paid uh, have not yet come back. Uh, so it's, it's, it's lifting the wage average, right. if so you let's, like. So let's push the average uh, up. And particularly in the UK, yeah. that, that's yeah. very much yeah. uh, the argument where, you know, wages are, you know, over 8% rather than yeah. 4%. Well, and, you know, if it's more expensive to run a restaurant because you've got to pay people more because uh, they're not keen about going back, similarly, there'll be people not keen, of, you know, still not keen to go out if they see that those numbers, you know, the virus is, is, is still around. Interesting, north of the border from the United States, Canada's employment numbers were pretty strong, wasn't they? I mean, the I mean, the unemployment rate's down to six point nine, but it did peak at nine point four, so they had further than the US to go. Uh, but it seems to be on a faster track to recovery. Am I right on that? Yes, uh, we, we, we had that sort of dip in Q two in terms of activity, um, mm. and and now what we're seeing is that there's been a rebound in activity, and and that's also been reflected in in the job creation as well. So that's very good news for for the Canadian economy. Um, we also got to remember that employment or the natural rate of unemployment in Canada is a lot higher. So 5.9 is actually quite a good number in terms of unemployment rate. Um, whilst at the same time, it also vindicates the position from the Bank of Canada in terms of not only expectations for another round of tapering later this month, uh, but also it's, you know, the argument that the economy is traveling quite, quite well uh, for the prospects of even talking about rate hikes next year. Yeah. Now, earnings season kicks off for Q3 in the United States this week. So, I mean, it, it, is it a sim- it was a, it's been a pretty choppy couple of weeks, but is it, you know, is it becoming clearer that we are going to see equities straining because of the supply chain fears and maybe uh, also you know, maybe, maybe a fall in demand as well? Uh, and, and that, you know, could hit earnings or certainly earnings expectations and the numbers we'll see this week. So that could be a bad week for uh, for equities. Uh, but then bond yields, uh, you know, I mentioned in the introduction how much they are rising now because of inflation fears. Are they, is that a very clear path this week, do you think? Well, the interesting thing as well is I was reading about this because we all remember that the first week is, is about banks. And, and there's a general sense that uh, banks have done quite well or continue to do well. Whereas, you know, the, the other parts or other sectors of the economy which are facing higher inflationary pressures from a rise in input cost and also the story of labor shortages. And um, that, that is, it's, the, those companies are not really reporting this week. So um, we might get good news this week from, from the banks, um, but then the, the true sort of story in terms of, uh, you know, the concerns around 
the labor market and, and inflation is probably only going to come through in, in, in the second and, and third week uh, of reporting. But overall, there's certainly question marks about the, these Q3 earnings, whether the optimistic outlook that many companies have had has been dampened by, you know, the, the recent events and, and by the sort of realization that maybe the consumer is a little bit slower off the mark compared to what expectations of a big sort of um, burst in terms of consumption. And this expectation that inflation is going to last longer and perhaps rise higher. So bond yields, they, are they going to keep on traveling up? Well, the, the story there is is a, is a mix of not only the reopening and increasing activity, but also now we have this new energy concern, um, which is not just a gas story, mm. but it has implications around all other sources of energy with oil prices, as you know, uh, going up again on Friday. Um, and, and, and the uncertainty there is how long will that take to play out? So um, uh, there, there's more than one driver lifting inflation uh, around the globe. Uh, and at the moment, it, it's the one certainty is that it's not going to go away in the next couple of days or weeks. It, it still needs to be more time to play out. Yeah. And that means that, you know, the Aussie, the US dollar is going to, uh, well, it's not going to weaken in a hurry, is it? I mean, there's this expectation that it, it was going to, but uh, the moment we started looking at this, all this uncertainty, uh, the US dollar, as we were talking about last week, became the new safe haven. So on the basis of all that, uh, you know, we were talking not so long ago about the Aussie dollar potentially getting up to 80 cents, but it's not going to do that in a hurry now, is it? Yeah. So uh, I suppose it's a nice way of pointing out that we have uh, revised our forecast for, for the Aussie dollar. <laughs> it's a segue. Um, we had this um, uh, this outlook for the Aussie dollar where the reopening of the economy and particularly the performance of commodities would would be a, a very strong uh, tailwind that, that will lift the Aussie dollar eventually towards that 80 cent mark. Now, we have been right in terms of our expectations of commodities performing really well. Um, but... Um, but that hasn't quite translated into into the, the strength for the Aussie dollar. So um, there's, the uncertainties around COVID has been one factor at play. The other one has been, you know, that as much as commodities have performed well, um, unlike what we saw during the after the, the global financial crisis, we haven't seen a huge investment in, in mining investment, which was one factor also helping the, the Aussie dollar perform quite well and reach parity you know, uh, back in those days. Um, now, this time around, there's, there's certainly more reservations around that. Um, and I suppose the, the, the new sort of big story uh, post the pandemic world is that there's been an increase in terms of climate change and initiatives towards green energy and so on. And there's, there's a bit of a question mark around where, where Australia is in, in, in this sort of landscape. Um, and then actually, there's probably worth pointing out that there's been quite a lot of movement around that with the Business Council of Australia uh, pointing out and, and asking the government for a faster sort of move and drive towards, um, you know, declining emission targets. Uh, whilst at the same time, uh, ABA um, Governor or Deputy Governor um, Guy the Bell will be speaking yeah, about this on Thursday, uh, on Thursday yeah, as well. Yeah. So, so it's an interesting, it's an interesting topic. But overall, the general sense is that the uncertainties around COVID has meant that the, the US dollar has remained a bit more buoyant, mm. uh, whilst at the same time, uh, it's it's taken back a little bit of, of that potential for, for the Aussie to, to rise. We still see it rising. We still think the Aussie is a 70 to 75 cent currency, particularly over the next six months or so. And if the economy evolves, uh, the world economy evolves as we expect, uh, we think that we will see um, uh, the Aussie dollar trading uh, towards, you know, the 75 
78 cents and, and potentially even a little bit higher as well if, if we're correct in terms of right the well there's so much more we could have talked about today uh, we were out of time I wanted to talk about the fact that you know more is opening up so you can go and get your hair cut today uh, Rodrigo uh, but um, <laughs> uh, what does that really mean how quickly is it really going to recover and similarly in New Zealand where they've uh, now got uh, 61 new cases over the weekend and 456 active cases uh, so what does that mean for the easing of restrictions in Auckland today that uh, puts that into a big question mark over that I would have thought well look it's a fairly quiet day though isn't it so it'll give us more time to talk tomorrow because it's uh, Columbus Day in the United States, so they're closed. Uh, but later in the week, U.S. Re- retail sales, CPI data as well. We've got the NAB business survey tomorrow. We've got the uh, September labor force report on uh, Thursday. And as you say, Guy DeBell as well. So there's a bit going on during the week, but we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk. Catch you soon. Great. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. And I'm Phil Dobby, back again tomorrow morning for NAB. See you then.